Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Here on the podcast, we share our stories of how Jesus has brought us from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters because with God, even the brokenness has incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Hey friend, welcome back to the podcast. Today on the show, I have invited Rebecca Lyons on the podcast to speak into a topic that she just wrote and published a book about, and that is surrender. I am so honored to have her speak into this season of the podcast. Rebecca has been following Jesus for a long time and has so much wisdom to share today. There is great joy and freedom found in surrendering to Christ. And today, Rebecca talks to us about why surrendering with a yes to Jesus in every aspect of our lives leads to living a life with Christ that is truly immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. We dive into dreaming with God and how to walk and surrender through seasons of confusion as we wrestle with unmet expectations and doubt, clinging to the truth of who God is and the joy and freedom found even in those parts of our stories. She dives into what this has looked like in her life and journey as she has struggled through battles overcoming anxiety and depression and invites us to seek after a life of abiding in Jesus. Rebecca is a national speaker, host of the Rhythms for Life podcast, and best-selling author of Rhythms of Renewal, You Are Free, and Free Fall to Fly. Alongside her husband, Gabe, Rebecca finds joy in raising four children, two of whom have Down syndrome. Her work has been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, Fox News, Publishers Weekly, Starred Reviews, and more. She is such a strong woman of God, and I am deeply encouraged by her heart, her vulnerability, and her commitment to seeing others find freedom in Christ. Now, here's my conversation with Rebecca. Well, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, friend. I'm so excited to be with you. Uh, so this season on Living in the Light, we are leaning into trusting God for the dreams that He places on our heart and believing Him for immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine in our lives and in our stories. And believing God for immeasurably more begins with our surrender. So that's what we're going to lean into today is just asking the question, how to, how do we get ourselves out of the way and say yes to God with our whole lives? Um, surrender is something that you just recently wrote a book about. And so I'm really excited for you to speak into this today and to be encouraged by your story and this message that God's put on your heart. Um, you don't remember this because I don't know that I've ever told you the story, but whenever I was in college at Oklahoma City University, you came through on maybe your book tour or something with the book, You Are Free, that you wrote, mm -hmm. um, and you went to Frontline. And I had never been to Frontline before, but I had read your book, You Are Free, and was really excited. I grabbed a friend and we came that night and 
just a really sweet memory. And I, I pretty vividly remember you sharing your story and there was a lot of surrender and freedom that happened um, at that event that night um, and just have been really encouraged by hearing your testimony and how God has moved in your life and in your journey. So I just want to start with that. Um, what has the journey to a surrendered yes looked like for you and your story and maybe defining what exactly what exactly is a surrendered yes? Oh, I love that you were there that night. I had no mm. idea. And it is sweet to kind of have those memories. I, I think of my, my own journey of just people who the Lord appointed to be there and say exactly what I needed to hear in that season mm-hmm. or at that moment. And there's been many times who people who are now friends ministered to me from, you know, I was in the back row crying at whatever thing, you know, yeah. a decade prior. And I just love how, when we become free, God uses us to set free. And yeah, I love, I love your theme of two of immeasurably more because, um, in, in Galatians 6, he talks about freedom and he says, don't use that freedom for yourself. Paul says, use it to serve one another in love. And that's how freedom grows. And mm. that's the message version. But it, it definitely is this idea that freedom is contagious and it frees us to set others free. And so I do believe um, from a long story, you know, and yeah. just we'll highlight it here. But when I moved to New York City, which is where you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 2010. And at the time I hadn't heard a lot of people talk about mental health, especially in the church space. It was kind of like, if you're struggling and I had developed panic disorder in the city. So I had my first panic attack four months in and, and it was definitely rooted in claustrophobia. So I would avoid planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds, which is really un- unfortunate once you move to New York, yep. because there is no real other option. I did a lot of walking <laughs> through Central Park. Um, mm. I was on the Upper East Side and I was part of a community that met every Tuesday on the Upper West Side. And I'm like, well, I could try to juggle the train or I could just walk through the park every week, yeah. even when it was 11 degrees in January. And God really met me in that season wow. of panic and panic disorder. I mean, the more I've studied it is it's, it's a recurring thing enough to where you're not, you're not even cognitively, cognitively afraid of the environment that makes you panic. You're afraid of yourself. You're afraid of yourself when the fear takes over and the fear becomes that powerful. And, but God, even in that season, just used, you know, through his word, through the promises that Jesus is our peace. And I can come under that covering of peace. Um, about a year and a half into that time, I was, I just cried out to God for rescue and I was flooded with peace, like truly kind of this moment where the Lord just met me in that place of panic. And for the first time, I didn't have to remove myself or run from the situation for it to subside. And then that just began this healing journey of going, how, how do I surrender every day in such a way that like, you know, I think the surrender piece came from like, there was no other option, you know, like God, God is it. God is Mm -hmm. our fortress. He is our refuge. He is our help. And up until that point, you know, I was first born high capacity, you know, was able to handle a lot of things on my own strength. And I think the Lord wanted to take me to the brink of, I'm not saying it's like a punishment, but it was more like the, if you look at the backstory, I mean, it was just kind of a tipping point that New York just became that pressure cooker um, that pushed all these things to the surface because the year, decade prior, I had a special needs son and lots of um, small T trauma for the entire decade. And so I think, yes, there was a lot of brain stuff attached to it, but still the Lord was like, do you trust me with this? And so walking that out now, I think a life of surrender 
um, has brought so much meaning. And so Mm. I believe that meaning follows surrender. And I think we all want a life of meaning. We want a life of purpose. Um, my first book, Free Fall to Fly, was subtitled A Breathtaking Journey Toward a Life of Meaning. And I really wanted it to be a breathtaking journey toward a life of surrender. Mm-hmm. And my publisher back in 2012 was like, nobody wants to surrender. Um, but, but it was the story <laughs> of, of that crash and burn. And so I did a survey when I lived in New York on Facebook. And I had like 50 friends from New York. I asked, which would you resonate more with, meaning or surrender? And all the New Yorkers said surrender. And all the like middle America said meaning. That's <laughs> and so I thought funny. I thought it was such a fascinating social experiment because I do think New Yorkers go to to the city full throttle about meaning and purpose. Yeah. Like they almost have clarity and confidence, but they've also learned and as they go that it doesn't matter how much clarity and confidence confidence you have, there is a real um, mm. par- part of the city that kind of chews you up and spits you out. Like yeah. it's a love-hate relationship and it just yeah. requires so much chronic resilience to kind of stay in it. Wow. And it's a good way to put it. And, and as and as a result, you um, you really do posture yourself in surrender because you just have to take the things as they come. Mm-hmm. And and I've you know I've learned now that resilience comes when we um, when we cease resistance. Right? It's the kind of like we can either push against the things that are hard that are coming at us, or we can choose to accept. And so acceptance is a big piece in my like journey of healing because um, surrender is that is it is choosing to. Um, own what is and be honest with what is and then ask the Lord, what, is, what are the things you want me to learn through this, grow through this? Is this a trial? Is this a celebration? Like yeah. be present in all the things and not avoid or escape, but go, I just don't want to miss like the fullness of what you have because the root word of passion is to suffer. And sometimes we would rather escape the suffering part, but yet in the end, that suffering still produces maturity, endurance, and hope. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I didn't ask for that particular season, but in the end, that pain did become purpose. I am starting to kind of help other people who are struggling with similar things. And I think that's kind mm-hmm. of the bigger theme around surrender mm. is that, that meaning follows surrender. Mm. That's so good. Now, you you mentioned something that made me think about unspe- unmet expectations. And I think oftentimes with surrender in my own journey, I've thought, well, okay, I surrender this thing and then you're going to do this thing. Or, you know, we work on this and I'll see this follow. Um, And I think saying yes and surrender does oftentimes mean like God's going to do things that it don't always look like what we think they're going to look like, but it's oftentimes even more, immeasurably more uh, than Mm -hmm. what our tiny brains can wrap themselves around. So, I guess I would love to ask a question like that takes a lot of power in the Holy Spirit to have persevering faith in seasons when he's asking us to surrender and it's not necessarily looking like what we thought it would look like. Mm -hmm. Um, So how have you seen God give you courage and persevering faith even when surrender didn't look like the thought the way you thought it would? Yeah, I mean surrender is so it's like there's there's big yeses where you kind of the lord invites you into a trajectory shifting yes like Mm -hmm. like like laurelie do you want to move to new york city and pursue this and you're like that's a surrender yes i'm gonna make this big jump across the country or i'm gonna grow my family or shift careers or whatever but then what i think sometimes we minimize is the daily surrendered surrender of accepting that serenity prayer, the things that we can't not change. And then, and then the wisdom accepting the things we can, and then the wisdom to know the difference. And so when Cade was born, um, I was 26 and I found out six hours later that he had, Mm. um, 
signs of Down syndrome, mm-hmm. which was confirmed a few days later. And so now he's 20. So we're 20 years later. So you can do yeah. the math how old I am. And um, I would say his 20th year was the hardest year we've ever had with mm-hmm. him because COVID wasn't great for an environment of a kid with special needs. It's really hard when you're nonverbal and sensory to actually not be around people in a learning environment wow. or not be stimulated. Cause for a lot of kiddos with down syndrome, um, they, they, their EQ is really high, their emotional quotient, but their IQ, you know, isn't as high. And so they, they need people for their very life. They need that togetherness yeah. and that belonging. And so we found just some things really heightening for him in ways that were almost um, just destructive, like that we could just tell he was just not in a good place. And I just remember going on a walk in the woods and just crying out to the Lord and just saying, are you going to lift this? Mm. And all I heard, all I heard in that moment was not yet. Mm. Um, And it wasn't like an audible voice clearly, but in my spirit, I heard not yet, but I'll be here for as many wailing walks as you need. And, Mm. and what that kind of reminded me like 20 years down the road um, is that and he has, this was a year ago and the Lord has lifted and he's used great resources and great doctors. And, um, we we've had breakthrough and he's, you know, he's not out of the woods, but he's so much better than he was a year ago. And so we're so grateful, but I do remember in that moment, almost feeling a peace about going, wow, this isn't going to be buttoned up fast. This doesn't have like a, like a pretty bow that we wrap on it. And we just prayed for something and God shifted it immediately. But it was like, there is something about the pruning and the fruit of long suffering. Mm. And I think there is, uh, we minimize that in the church because we're always like up and to the right, <laughs> like yeah. abundance must mean that there isn't any long suffering. And yet I have found that my faith has been forged and fortified yeah. in those seasons of long suffering. Never has the Lord more loud, more dear, more intimate, more close because I'm that dependent on him. Mm. And because scripture says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, how much more do we seek him when we're in a season of suffering? Mm. And so he meets us there and it's like that abiding. And then that remaining, it's a lot easier for me to remain when I, so it is so very viscerally evident that I need God. Um, It's just easy for me to talk to him all day long. And then sometimes when we're kind of scooting and things are like in growth mode, like it can be tempting to go, look what, look what's happening. And then you kind of, the distractions. It's not ever malicious. I never want to like, there's no condemnation here, but it's, I think sometimes even success with God sometimes can distract us from God. Yeah. And, and so to me, what I've learned around surrender and obedience is that if it's about what I want, the, if, if it's about the outcome, then I have, I've completely miss a point mm. that the life with Christ is about communion with him. Mm. And that all the overflow from that, all the ministry, all, all the fruit is literally just the overflow of a really sweet and rich communion. Mm. Um, and so there are times in ministry, because now I've been doing this for a decade, like started writing and then it yielded teaching and then, you know, preaching and retreats and podcasts and all these wonderful things that you're like, yes, yes, yes. These are amazing. Um, but if they are taking away or starting to get louder and the intimacy and the communion, then I've asked the Lord to make me mute because I know that my hope is secure in him and he is the prize. And as a result, I can kind of like backpedal a little and go, if this is about me, uh, I'm just, 
I just need to get back to that sac- that sacred space, that secret place with the Lord, because that is where the power comes. That is where the anointing, that mm. is where the equipping, um, the surrender and the, and the endurance truly, and the hope is found. And so my, my advice for people are like, what if you yeah. didn't get what you asked for? I would go, maybe God's holding it off for a reason. Maybe he's called us to something and sometimes he holds it off for a reason. Cause he wants to know, are you, are you wanting the gift more than the giver or the calling more than the caller? And in the end, he is the one um, who holds all things together and he can move things on a chessboard to kind of exponentially promote something in ways that we could certainly strive and hustle for, for decades. Right. But he's just like, let me, um, I read abiding with Christ by Andrew Murray mm. a few years ago and written in 1895. And after reading just the kind of the sweetness of that communion, I just felt in my spirit, the Lord was like, initiate nothing and watch what I can do. Wow. And, um, because Andrew Murray says, when our activity ends, his begins. And so it's yeah. kind of this like sweet, this sweet handoff of going, God really, he does want immeasurably more, but sometimes we're in the way because <laughs> we yeah. want, we want decently more. And so we're like, we want to, and it's not that he's not joining us because he really does want to mobilize and activate and use our birthright gifts. But, but he's still going like anything I call to you will require all of me. But sometimes you say things to that I didn't ask you to do. And, and that's going to just kind of be on you. So I'm just trying to get better at listening and go, God, did you invite me into this? Did you open the door for this? Mm. Can I follow you in this? Are you going to breathe wind on this? And if not, like, I'm okay. Like, let's, let's just hang out in our PJs <laughs> because I want to <laughs> wait. I want to wait and be very clear that the prompting is from you and that you'll, that you'll propel whatever it is that you set in motion. He's, he's wow. faithful to complete what he begins. That's so good. I was going to ask how to surrender lead to finding freedom, rest, and joy in the hard places. And I think you just totally answered that in abiding and walking with Jesus, that that is where the freedom and rest and joy is, even in the hard places, no matter the circumstances. Hey friend, I just wanted to take a moment to share with you about the Rise Collective House. This season on the podcast, I've been spending time telling the story of the Rise Collective House and the dream God has put on my heart for a communal discipleship collective here in New York City. So for those of you who have no idea what that is, I wanted to give a little explanation. You can also go back a few episodes to episode four of this season, A Community of Discipleship, where I spend some time explaining it. Here's the summary. The Rise Collective House is a year-long, September-to-September, discipleship living collective here in New York City for early 20s women recently out of college or graduate school. The house will serve 12 women with different career ambitions as they come together in one house to engage in a program designed to foster a God-centered view of knowledge, of culture, work, and life. The women will receive theological training, participate in seminars with Christian scholars and community leaders, and enjoy one-on-one mentoring relationships with mature believers in the church. These 12 women will apply their training as they minister in the community, work in a professional career job, a full-time job every week, and interact with each other in daily living. So why do we need this house? Young Christian women in New York City need to lay a good foundation spiritually, relationally, and professionally for the growth and flourishing of their lives and career. New York City is a challenging place to live. Between finances, young career aspirations, and the grit of living in a city with 8.4 million other people, 
it's a tough place to thrive in your early 20s. The prohibitive nature of housing costs and networking for some women prevent them from being able to connect to Christian community in a meaningful and holistic way. So this house meets a need. It's a formative year-long discipleship training experience designed to help young women transition from college to career with a thorough understanding of faith in Jesus Christ. There's an interest form in the show description if this is something you might be interested in learning more about. Now back to my conversation with Rebecca. Um, I've been reading Deuteronomy and when you talked about, um, just when the success or like when we have what we have been waiting for, or, um, you know, God does give us children good gifts. It's, uh, can feel like it, it can be a scary, scarier place than that intimate season of pruning where he's everything to you. Cause you have nothing else. Um, and, I love in Deuteronomy, just how it's like, remember me, remember, remember who I am, remember what I did for you, remember where I took you through, remember uh, you were in slavery. And it's just really encouraged me um, that, you know, it's so easy to forget and how often, how often we do. Um, Well, Rebecca, you and Gabe are raising four children, you two of which have Down syndrome, uh, you mentioned this, you've built organizations and written books and created podcasts, and you continue to use your lives to believe God with big dreams that he places on your heart. Um, and as someone who is also a visionary, and I love dreaming with God, and I love the adventure of walking with the Spirit and just like seeing where he's moving and joining him there. Uh, this is a question I'm personally so curious to know. Um, has surrender gotten easier or does it just get more challenging as God takes you deeper with new assignments and different seasons of life? I think uh, the older you get uh, and the more you've experienced, mm-hmm. for me, it's become easier. Um, it That's has good to become, hear. <laughs> it has become easier. And I wouldn't say that it was for me at your age at yeah. all. I, I felt very re- personally responsible to make things happen. Mm. And I think the Lord, again, I don't know. It's just so kind. And I do think I'm a slow learner. So, so just to have full grace, like it, we all are on a journey of kind of just laying things, handing things over to God. Right. Yeah. And I think freedom is a slow and steady process of handing things over. And and when COVID began, and I remember I was supposed to be in 30 cities that year, and I had gotten through seven, and then it was great, like the adrenaline of the first month, like we're all home, and we get to like yeah. plant gardens and, you know, make bread. and <laughs> Make bread, I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after about like four weeks of like the high crash, I was like, what, do, what, what is happening? What, I, miss, yeah. I miss my old life, and what, you know. And I just, I just was like, what am I supposed to learn? Like, I was kind of like, I need to accelerate the lesson that I need to be learning right now. Cause I still kind of felt I was resisting the shift after kind of the, the adrenaline wore off. Yeah. And, and again, in my spirit heard, you don't have to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lesson that you have kind of tried to learn, but with all the energy and the invitations and the opportunity it's easy to forget. So while you try to learn, like you were just saying, it's also easy to forget because the muscle memory in the brain 
especially a survivor. A survivor's, um, uh, you know, the amygdala, when it fires, fight, flight, or freeze, is because there has been enough situations in your life that have forced you to be resilient and forced you to be a survivor. And so you, I do think people are pretty driven people, usually have some history, um, if you understand kind of their background, where where they kind of had to make things happen. They had to fend for themselves on some level. They had to kind of fight to have their voice heard or kind of put themselves out there and 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 those are good gifts like i'm not saying those are bad things but it still comes back to like that definitely feels in contrast to a surrendered life that would go and i and for me panic disorder was kind of the catalyst that goes oh wow it doesn't matter how much i project or or initiate or strategize or take responsibility for there are going to always be things beyond our control and that was a lesson that i learned at 26 becoming a mom i had no idea of a down syndrome diagnosis a decade later i had no idea panic disorder was coming and then nine years later i had no idea that we would say yes to down syndrome the second time and adopt a girl from the other side of the world and i almost feel like the posture of continually putting those chips all in the middle of the table and saying my life is not my own um i've been bought with a price i've been set free and so i don't want to be in charge of ordering my steps yeah Uh, you know, I'll, I'll make plans, but That's I need good. you to, in, I need you to still interrupt and order my steps because the divine interruption is actually what leads to the deepest gladness in my heart. Mm. And while it feels like a stripping away of kind of reputation or, cause I, that was the first thing I asked the Lord when he invited me to adopt joy. It was like, does this mean I quit working? And all I heard was, do you trust me? Do I quit teaching? Do you trust me? Do I quit writing? You, do you trust me? And there was no answer. And it was like, so like God to just give you a rhetorical question. Do you and trust I, me? And, yeah. And I was like, I guess I don't because I need to have all these answers shored up so that I know whether or not I want to say yes to this. Mm. And in the end, the Lord is like, this is not about what you get to hold on to. This is about what you get to receive. And, mm. and as a result of that, oh my goodness, I think we're so scared that the invitation of God that's so costly will just rob us of all our our gladness. And it's actually the opposite. I think calling begins with a caller and God is the caller who invites us in to join him for the renewal of all things. And then he knows that if we follow him into that place that might be scary and unknown, it will actually bring the deepest gladness from our hearts because he only invites us to the things that we long for, whether or not we know it. Yeah. (laughs) and so that's good. Yes, it's good because I can build a life that looks like the American dream. And that doesn't bring happiness. That doesn't bring gladness. It doesn't bring the fruit of peace and love and joy necessarily. Mm. And so it's like, what really is worth pursuing? What will give me soul rest um, for the kind of second half of life? And so I think the older you get, you're more about like, I'm really more about um, contentment. When you think of that verse, I can do all things through Christ. People think that that's a verse of achievement and it's not, it's a verse of contentment. And mm-hmm. it's surrounded by verses that say, I've learned the secret to being content, whether in loss and gain and rich or poor and much or little, I've learned the secret to be being content, content because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, maybe contentment really is the essential, the secret sauce to surrender. That like, okay, I wanted this, but it didn't happen. I'm, I'm content. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what I want. God, what do you want? I'm content. Mm-hmm. Will you just bring it to me and like kind of put it right in front of me? I'm content. Yeah. And so I think the surrender and the contentment goes hand in hand. And I'm hopeful that the older I get, the more I see, the more history I, I have of watching him move in miraculous ways that I did not make happen. 
they go, okay, yep, I can trust you. I can trust you again and again. And I can remember, like you said, it's not about, it's not about sin. I think we just get distracted and we forget. It's never a motive of like, I'm just going to choose to stop following Jesus. It's like, we just slowly drift because we forget. And so it's just setting our intention back to going, okay, Lord, put this right in front of me every single day. Mm, Amen. In this journey of kind of trusting him with the next thing, because I felt very unqualified to do what he's called me to do. I'm like, God, you're going to have to do immeasurably more because this is huge. And he one day just spoke to me in the middle of asking him questions about something. He said, I am the king of the universe. And just that phrase has like stuck with me. Like he is the king of the universe. And as you were talking, I just think it's so important to remember like whoever's listening, like we our story comes like we're we come from history so much history of god doing immeasurably more and that's the importance of reading god's word and continuing to read those stories and remember that the same things that the israelites in the promised land were remembering of like what god has done for his people and what he's still doing for his people just mm-hmm. is is so good yeah, and, I went through Joshua earlier this year, and it was the mm-hmm. same, kind of that version of that story of just, oh my goodness, the remembering and calling, and how they set stones, and they and and before they would even go to the next place, it was yeah. like, we're going to make it, we're going to like like put a mark in the ground that, that yes. the next generation, when they see this, they'll go, what was this about? And like, so that you can tell them the story of God's deliverance and God's faithfulness. So it's not even us remembering, it's us remembering in such a way that we hand it down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big themes of God's rescue and deliverance never end. And I think we, when we look at about that in our day, I have to tell my kids a story of healing. I have to tell my kids a story of God yeah. pulling me from a pit of panic disorder or, um, you know, me getting more physically feeling whole or Gabe experiencing. So if we can kind of have our own because because that one generation can't carry the next generation if each generation doesn't have their own supernatural encounters with God. And yeah. so prayers can prayers last to get you there, but then you have to make your Share faith that your story. Own. Yeah, and then experience that personal transformation so that you can tell the next generation like this isn't just a story I heard. This is a this is a God I actually experienced. Mm-hmm. And this is what he changed in my life. Mm-hmm. And to me that's so exciting because when you've experienced it and witnessed it, you don't forget. You just yeah. don't forget. Sometimes people have to ask you and you're like, oh yeah, then the Lord did this and that and the other. But oh my goodness, when it's personal, you just, you'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, um, to close us out, I, this past week, the Lord really ministered to my heart, just saying, let me love you. And I think that there are probably people listening that just need to hear that today, that immeasurably more is the abiding love of Jesus with us, working in us and through us. So if you would just encourage the person listening of how how loved they are by God and how much he wants to do immeasurably more in their life and in their story. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of the whole point, right? Is yeah. that is that we love him because he first loved us. Yeah. And it's the perfect love that casts out fear, you know, when <laughs> we're feeling anxious or, um, you know, panicked, um, worried about the future, stressed out. Um, it, second Timothy one, seven, two, seven says that I don't give you a spirit of fear. I give you power and love and a sound mind. Mm. And it's so 
interesting to me how love is actually connected to a sound mind. God gives us power, love, and a sound mind. And also in Ephesians, it says, you will actually come to experience the power and the fullness of God when you come to know the height, the depth, the breadth, and the width of God's love. It's Everything is really contingent on us coming to know His love, not talk about His love or sing about His love or read about His love, but it's coming to know. And the knowing is in the encounter. It's it's in the abiding place. It's in the kind of the prayer walks in the woods or kind of like that fearful moment in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. where you just feel like your chest is tight and you can't breathe and you just go, God, I give this to you and I receive your peace. Jesus, I come under your covering of peace. Will you be my peace? And will you make your home in my heart? And will you just, Holy Spirit, give me courage. It's like that kind of love is so intimate that you can call on him. He never leaves and he's always right there. And it's like a whisper away. And sometimes yeah. we feel like we need to work for God to please God. But he's saying, I first loved you. Mm. Like, like your love was the, be- my love for you was the beginning. I loved you so much that I crafted you in t- with intention when I formed you in your mother's womb, that my eye saw your unformed body and all your days were written in plan before one of them began that when I knit you, my works were wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and that I, that when I see you and I look at you, I, I just, I feel gladness. And so the, the working together for good is only because I like you so much. And I just want to hang out with you and I want to be with you and commune with you. Not because I think you're going to save the world. It's mm-hmm. like, I just want to do this together because I love you that much. And I want to mm-hmm. hang out with you. Some people think God loves us as like this oblig- obligatory, like looking down, like I love all my people, but no, it's not just that he loves. He likes us. He delights in us. He wants to be with us. So imagine having a teenager who's just like, I can't get enough of you or a father or a mother's like, I just can't get enough with you. Can we just do everything together? Um, And I just love the way you do this and that and your mannerisms. And then you're kind of, you get crazy, crazy eyes when you're excited about something. And I just want to propel that. I want to put funding behind that and resource behind that and the nutrients of heaven, like at your disposal. It's truly because he just loves us. Mm -hmm. And so for those who are feeling like you are not doing enough for God, or you're kind of too broken to come to him, what he sees, that's not God telling you that that is not at all coming from God. That's shame that says you're not enough. And that's from the enemy. But God is saying, Hey, you know, I have never wanted you more. Like I, I pursue you with a relentless love and I can't force you to come because he's a gentleman and he would never coerce because love doesn't coerce and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. But he would say, Hey, instead, do you like, do you want to hang out? Do you want to be with me? Do you, do you, can, do you trust that like, that I have good intentions for your heart that I do want you to heal. And I want you to feel the fullness of my glory on display in your life. And I know when I turned in my last book or my second book, You Are Free, I remember turning it in and I just started crying. And it was such a, it was probably one of the most costly books I wrote because freedom is costly. Mm. And, and it just, it just pulled a lot out of the kind of the pit of, you know, roots and things. Cause I, I just realized all the places I wasn't free and all the places that I claimed Christ and accepted him at five because you know, I didn't want to burn in hell, but it wasn't really that I knew because <laughs> that is not theology I'm endorsing at all at this point. But my point is, that's kind of like as yeah. a kid going, oh, well, yeah. But then I really did think Jesus was kind and I and I believed that his story was true and I knew he loved children. And I grew up really 
coming to know him. But, but I do think I had never known the rescue and I had never known the deliverance and the power yeah. and then therefore the fullness of his love. And so I turned in the book and I just said, God, I just feel like I'm, I'm such a mess that, that I'll thwart your plans and purposes for me because I still kind of had this muscle memory of trauma. And the Lord just said, what if your purpose is for me to love you? That's it. Like from the beginning of time, I just, I just, all I had was like a wholehearted love mm. and affection, love and affection for you. And I was like, wow, that really all of a sudden kind of the revelation of that really helped me cease the striving and the hustle because I didn't really realize until around that point that I had somehow growing up bought the lie that I wasn't worthy of love unless I earned it. And so the Lord was yeah. just kind of upending that. And I think for those listening now, if you feel like your love is contingent, um, it's, it's um, conditional, right? It's about what you produce or what you bring or how put together you are or how well you are. Um, I just want you to hear from the Father's heart that you are beloved and that he, he just has such desire to know you intimately and mm. to bless you and to grace you with his presence at all times if you ask for it. Yeah. And that he wants to guide you and be that light on your path and show you this is the way walking it. And he wants to open doors for you. Mm. And he wants to give the dreams that you are saying out loud to him to you fully in like very vibrant ways. Um, but it's not, it's not a transaction. It's, it's a relationship of, of wholehearted living where you just know that he brings those things to you in his beautiful time because he knows at that point you are ready to receive them. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that, Rebecca. I'm encouraged. I know the listeners encouraged. Um, thank you for taking time to come on the podcast today. I'm going to link your new devotional book in the show description. And um, yeah, I just appreciate it. I hope you have a blessed thank you, day. Friend. Thank you. You're the best. This was so fun. Enjoy your fall in the city, girl. Thank you. My thank you. favorite time of year up there. So fun. If you ever come up here, let me know. I will. Absolutely. What a word from Rebecca. I hope today's episode encouraged you to open your hands, to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, and to receive the gift of God through His Son. There is freedom in our surrendering our lives to Christ, to saying yes to following Jesus. For God so loved the world, that's what John 3.16 says, that He sent His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That is good news for us today. And as that verse says, it's good news that's offered to everyone in the whole world. That includes you. If you've never surrendered your heart to God, I wanna encourage you to call upon His name today. It's as easy as saying, Jesus, I believe, and I wanna give my life to you. Thank you for loving me, for saving me through Jesus' death and resurrection. I acknowledge, God, that I am a sinner and in need of a Savior. I can't carry the burden and the weight of this life and this world on my own. I want the freedom found in Christ. I want to know you and be in relationship with you forever into eternity. 
Lord, you are glorious and you are good, and I praise you and worship you today and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening, friend. I'll be back on the podcast next week as we continue this season of Immeasurably More. If you want to keep up with all things happening in Rise Collective Women, there's a link in the show description to subscribe to the email list. I'll send you a weekly email newsletter with all things happening in the community. There's also a link to subscribe to the weekly podcast newsletter, and I'll send you an email with all the details about new episodes as they are released. If you want to be involved in the Rise Collective house in any capacity, whether it's partnering with the house or if you dream of living here in New York City someday in the future and you're excited by this opportunity, there's an interest form in the show description. I would love to send you more information so you can learn more about this project and ways to be a part of what God is doing. As always, I'm going to end the episode by reading Ephesians 3 verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to surrender our lives to you. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus who paid the ultimate sacrifice, who died on the cross, God, to save us, who was resurrected and who's coming back, Lord. We thank you that we get to spend eternity with you in heaven. Lord, we just worship you today for the freedom we have in you, for the relationship we have with you. God, help us to abide in you, to invite you into the details of our life, God, I thank you for the listener of this podcast episode. I pray that they would be reminded of how much you love them today. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in light and in love, and I will talk to you next week.